The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at QatarEconomicForum.com. Live from the Bloomberg Interactive Brokers Studios, this is Bloomberg Daybreak for Thursday, February 24th, 2022. Coming up this hour. It is the worst security crisis in Europe since World War II. Russia launches missiles, artillery, and air attacks on Ukraine. Vladimir Putin vows to demilitarize the country and replace its leaders. The conflict upends markets as global stocks tumble, treasuries rally, and oil surges. Top Manhattan DA prosecutors probe into criminal case against former President Trump have quit. Plus, Canada lifts its emergency powers after ending truck protests. I'm Michael Barr. More ahead. I'm John Stashower in sports. Kemba Walker will not play again this season for the Knicks. A loss for St. John's. The Nets and Rangers both have games tonight. That's all straight ahead on Bloomberg Daybreak on Bloomberg 1130 New York. Bloomberg 99.1 Washington, D.C. Bloomberg 1061 Boston. Bloomberg 960 San Francisco. Sirius XM 119. And around the world on BloombergRadio.com and via the Bloomberg Business app. Good morning, I'm Nathan Hager. And I'm Karen Moscow. Global stocks tumbling and energy prices surging as Russia attacks Ukraine. We're coming up to 601 on Wall Street. We check the markets every 15 minutes throughout the trading day on Bloomberg. S&P futures down almost 90 points, down 2.1%. Dow futures down 724. And NASDAQ futures down 360. The DAX in Germany is down 4.6%. CAC in Paris down 4.4%. And the FTSE 100 down 3%. Ten-year Treasury up one and seven thirty. Seconds yield 1.85 percent. Yield on the two-year 1.47 percent. And NYMEX crude oil is up 8.4 percent, up seven dollars sixty-eight cents at ninety-nine dollars seventy-seven cents a barrel. Nathan. Well, Karen, this huge market reaction follows the latest developments out of Ukraine. Russian forces have targeted uh, attack targets across the country. Ukraine is calling this a full-scale invasion. And Amy Morris has the very latest from our Bloomberg 99.1 newsroom in Washington. Russia launched a barrage of missile, artillery and air attacks, triggering the worst security crisis Europe has witnessed in decades. Ukraine's border guard says it's being shelled from five regions, including from Crimea in the south and Belarus to the north, and that Russian forces had crossed into the country. Citizens are being moved into shelters. Security camera footage shows a line of Russian military vehicles crossing into Ukraine from Crimea. President Biden plans to address the American people to announce further punishments to be placed on Moscow. In Washington, I'm Amy Morris, Bloomberg Daybreak. Amy, thank you. In Ukraine, President Vladimir Zelensky has imposed martial law. He had this message for Ukrainian citizens. We don't need a cold or hot or hybrid war. But if we are attacked by troops, if they try to take away our country, our freedom of life, the lives of our children, we will defend ourselves. Ukrainian President Vladimir Zelensky says he is building an anti-Putin coalition after speaking with several world leaders. He calls for immediate sanctions on Russia as well as defense and financial support for Ukraine. In the meantime, in Russia, Karen, President Vladimir Putin announced the attack in a televised address to his nation. I decided to conduct a special military operation. 
Its goal is the protection of the people who, for eight years, suffered from abuse and genocide from the Kiev regime. Well, despite the attack, President Putin insists he does not plan to occupy Ukraine. Putin's speech lasted 28 minutes, Nathan. He claimed the U.S. and its allies crossed Russia's red lines by expanding the NATO alliance. We get more from Bloomberg News editor Tony Halpin in Moscow. He made a uh, long speech in which he basically argued that the West uh, continued to present a threat to Russia and that expansion of NATO had crossed Russia's red lines um, uh, in regard to Ukraine. And as a result of that, he was launching this military operation. Um, Initially, he spoke about the Donbass, but then um, spoke further about uh, demilitarizing Ukraine uh, as a whole. Bloomberg's Tony Halpin says President Putin claims he is taking action to protect civilians from Ukraine's military, though there's no evidence they were under any threat. Ukraine's foreign minister, Dmitry Kuleba, says Putin could have been deterred if there had been sanctions sooner, even before the attack he was calling for stronger penalties on Russia. It sends a strong message to Putin, but it still doesn't stop him. So it means we need more sanctions. We need the second wave and then probably the third wave until he, he, it gets clear to him that uh, he shouldn't make any step further. Ukrainian Foreign Minister Dmitry Kuleba spoke exclusively to Bloomberg Radio and Television. Stay tuned for more of that conversation. It's coming up shortly on Bloomberg Daybreak. Well, Nathan, as we said, the Russian attack is upending markets this morning. Stocks are tumbling. Treasuries are rallying. Oil surging. The plunge in equities is the worst in Europe at the moment. And we go live to London and get the very latest with Bloomberg's Max Ramsey. Good morning, Max. Good morning to you, Karen and Nathan. Yes, we're seeing real downward pressure on European stocks today uh, with all of this geopolitical news and this invasion. The FTSE 100 falls 3.1%. The CAC Caron in France falls 4.6%. The DAX leads losses down 4.8% right now. Energy particularly in focus. European natural gas has surged today, rising as much as 30% with the prospect, of course, the risk um, that uh, gas flows could be cut off by Russia. We're also seeing pain coming through Russian assets. The uh, benchmark Moex stock index in Russia tumbling today as much as around 40%. The ruble also falling against the dollar, trading at $83.43 right now. Live in London, Max Ramsey, Bloomberg Daybreak. Thank you, Max. The losses were also heavy in Asia overnight. Let's get that recap from Bloomberg's Juliet Sally in Singapore. Good morning, Juliet. Good morning, Nathan and Karen. The MSCI Asia-Pacific Index had its biggest one-day drop in a year, falling to November 2020 lows as markets from Singapore, Australia, Hong Kong extended losses of around 3%. Australia's 10-year bond yield dropping as much as 11 basis points, the yen leading gains in the G10 space. Elsewhere, the one weekend as the Bank of Korea kept rates on hold at 1.25%, Governor Lee noting the Ukraine crisis could have a significant impact on inflation. In Singapore, Juliet Sali, Bloomberg Daybreak. Julia, thank you. When it comes to the attack, China is calling for restraint but is not condemning Russia's actions. Beijing repeated criticism that the U.S. was to blame for hyping the prospect of war in Eastern Europe. It says China and Russia are strategic partners and trade will continue as normal. And we're also seeing major moves in energy markets this morning, Karen. Oil is surging, crossing $100 a barrel for the first time since 2014, and it could go even higher from here, according to Neil Beveridge at Sanford Bernstein. Yeah, I don't think we've seen the highest prices yet. I mean, I expect prices to rally up to $110, $120 per barrel. Well, checking prices now, Brent crude's at $104.83 a barrel. That's a gain of eight and a quarter percent. NYMEX crude had been above $100 a barrel at one point. Right now, it's at $99.59. Straight ahead, your latest local headlines and a check of sports. This is Bloomberg. 
It's now 6.07 on Wall Street, 31 degrees in Central Park. Winter weather advisory in effect for tonight and the disabled vehicles causing delays on the Van Wick. More on that shortly. First, Michael Barr with more on what's going on in New York and around the world. Michael. Thank you very much, Nathan. A winter weather advisory is now in effect for the tri-state area from 10 p.m. this evening to 1 p.m. tomorrow. It was in the mid-60s in New York City yesterday. Bloomberg meteorologist Rob Carolyn has the latest. Michael, the tri-state area has a messy mix of precipitation headed our way. We'll look for a few late-day snow showers, but it looks like snow develops during the evening. Along the coast, it's going to change over to sleet, then go over to freezing rain. That should limit the accumulations in the city to about 1 to 3 inches. It's the areas to the northwest and the north of the city that could see 3 to 6 inches of snow before that change over to sleet, then some freezing rain and rain. It all should wind down very early tomorrow morning, improving conditions tomorrow afternoon. Michael? Rob, thank you, sir. The future of the Manhattan criminal investigation into former President Donald Trump is now in question. Two prosecutors in charge of the Manhattan District Attorney's criminal investigation into Trump have suddenly resigned. A spokesperson for D.A. Alvin Bragg says Kerry Dunn and Mark Pomerantz both resigned. Both started on the probe under former District Attorney Cyrus Vance Jr. and were asked to stay when Bragg took office. Legal analyst Lori Levinson was asked about the impact on the criminal probe. It's hard to know exactly because it's a bit like reading tea leaves. But when you have the prosecutors who were brought in to put together a case against Trump decide abruptly that they're leaving the DA's office, it's at least a suggestion that there's disagreements among the head office. Loyola Law School professor Lori Levinson. Meanwhile, the separate criminal case being conducted in cooperation with New York Attorney General Letitia James continues. New York Mayor Eric Adams says he could be easing COVID restrictions in the city soon. Adams said yesterday he will likely be easing some of the indoor mask and vaccine mandates. The mayor says he will release more details in the coming weeks. A former New York City Police Union president was released on a quarter-million-dollars bail. Ed Mullins pleaded not guilty to stealing hundreds of thousands of dollars from the union. Canada is lifting the emergency powers it enacted more than a week ago to get street protests under control. Hundreds of semis and other heavy vehicles blockaded downtown Ottawa for three weeks. Global news, 24 hours a day, on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts from more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr. This is Bloomberg, Nathan. Thank you, Michael. Coming up to 610 on Wall Street, John Stashar is here with Bloomberg Sports Update. All right, Nathan, the Knicks put out a surprising statement yesterday. The season's over for Kemba Walker, not due to injury, although Walker has a knee problem that has contributed to him not playing like he did in Charlotte, who's a four-time All-Star. This appears to be at least somewhat of a mutual decision, and it ends a strange season for the New York City native. Walker was the starting point guard, then got completely taken out of the rotation, and then due to injuries and COVID, he returned again as the starter. He actually had a 44-point game, but now his season's over. The Knicks return for the All-Star break tomorrow in Miami. The Nets got some good news on their point guard, as just heard earlier, Mayor Adams looking to phase out the vaccine mandate. That would allow... The unvaccinated Kyrie Irving to play home games for the first time this season. The Brooklyn coach, Steve Nash. I think he's working towards being able to play in every game. Uh, so if the mandate is lifted, the expectation would be that he can play in all our games. Um, 
And I think that's what he's been waiting for and what he's excited about. And uh, if the opportunity arises, you know, the, the plan and the goal is for him to play every night. Next tonight, those the Celtics. All three local hockey teams play tonight. The Rangers host Washington. The Islanders visit San Jose. And the Devils are in Pittsburgh. College Hoops, St. John's had a seven-point lead at the half. Back came Creighton to win 81-78. Blue Jays, sixth win in a row. Rough night for Julian Champagny. The Red Storm's leading score. He shot just three of 16. Seton Hall beat Butler 66-60. to The Pirates got 35 points from their bench. Much improved. Fordham beat LaSalle 60-54. to The Rams are having their best season since 2016. Rutgers lost at Michigan 71-62. The Wolverines were playing for the first time without their suspended coach, Jawan Howard. John Stashauer, Bloomberg Sports. Nathan. All right, John, thank you. Now S&P futures are down 102 points. Dow futures down 813. NASDAQ futures lower by 412 points. The 10-year Treasury up 1 in 930 seconds. The yield 1.84%. You're listening to Bloomberg Daybreak. Bloomberg 1130 weather, winter weather advisory for the tri-state area from 10 tonight till 1 tomorrow afternoon with rain, sleet, snow. We'll be in the back in the sunshine by Saturday. Right now, 30 in Central Park. Markets, headlines, and breaking news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Bloomberg Business App, and at Bloomberg Quick Take. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. I'm Karen Moscow. Global stocks and U.S. stock index futures tumbling this morning while bonds and oil are soaring as Russian President Vladimir Putin's decision to order a military attack on Ukraine casts a pall over global markets. We check the markets every 15 minutes throughout the trading day on Bloomberg. Right now, S&P futures are down 106 points. Dow futures down 832, both down more than 2.5% this morning, while NASDAQ futures are down more than 3.1%, down 420 points. The DAX in Germany is down 5.1%. Ten-year Treasury up 1 in 7.30 seconds, yield 1.85%. The yield on the two-year, 1.47%. NYMEX crude oil jumping up 8.4%, up $7.66 at $99.77 a barrel. Brent is up 8.5% at one hundred. $5.06. Comex Gold is up 3.3%, up $63 at $19.73.60 an ounce. The Euro, 1.1158 against the dollar. British Pound, 1.3394. The Yen is at 114.66. And Bitcoin this morning down more than 6.5% at $35,060. And that's a Bloomberg business flash. And now with more on what's going on around the world, here's Michael Barr. Michael. Thank you very much, Karen. Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky is urging global leaders to provide defense assistance to Ukraine and help protect its airspace from Russia. It comes amid Russia's attack on Ukraine. Zelensky said that Russia has unleashed war with Ukraine and has declared martial law. Ukraine's interior ministry said that the capital, Kiev, was being targeted and urged citizens to go to shelters. In the U.S., President Joe Biden says he will be imposing severe sanctions on Russia. Major League Baseball gave locked-out players until Monday to salvage March 31st openers and a full season. MLB told the union that games would be canceled if a labor contract is not agreed to by then. 
Global News, 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take. Powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts from more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr, and this is Bloomberg. Nathan. Okay, Michael, thank you. It's 619 on Wall Street, live from the Bloomberg Interactive Broker Studios. This is Bloomberg Daybreak, and Bloomberg's executive editor for international relations, Rosalind Matheson, is back with us as we continue monitoring the situation in Ukraine. Roz, good morning. What's the latest as far as what we're hearing on this Russian attack on Ukraine? Well, what we're seeing is a sustained assault that's coming from multiple directions uh, on Ukraine, not just into the eastern part of Ukraine, which is where there are separatist areas, but also attacking from the north and from the south, which is really the Black Sea area. And that area is also important as a key shipping lane and an area for, for, for trade, especially in commodities. So it's, it's a collective movement around Ukraine. It's involved um, aerial bombardment, missile attacks and troops on the ground, certainly going well beyond what the Russian president indicated uh, in the wee hours that he would be going in to assist separatists just in the eastern part of Ukraine. The troops have rolled well past that at this point, and it's just a full-throated invasion. Uh, the Russian president has indicated at this point his goal is Richie, to replace the government of the Ukrainian president, uh, Zelensky, entirely, and he says that he wants to do that first. His ultimate goal there really is whether he then just wants to absorb Ukraine into Russia in some fashion or whether he would want to try and install some other sort of administration in Ukraine that's pro-Russia. But certainly at this point, it's very early days uh, in that venture and the invasion is only a few hours in. Yeah, it's much a harsher rhetoric than what we've heard in even just the last 24 to 48 hours from Russian President Putin. What sparked this new move? What's the rationale uh, for calling for removing the leadership of Ukraine, for denazification, as he put it in his address to the Russian people last night? Well, he's invoking a lot of history here, but he also seems to be putting it on NATO and saying that NATO somehow crossed Russia's red lines by expanding eastward. Of course, NATO describes itself as a defensive alliance and says that it poses no threat to to Russia. But certainly NATO was sending more troops and equipment east in recent weeks. And countries, including the U.S. and the U.K., were sending defensive weaponry into Ukraine. Uh, And that perhaps collectively uh, for Putin has been an indication that he may as well go into Ukraine properly at this point. Of course, he's always seen Ukraine as part of Russia, and his build-up there on the border has been going for many months. Uh, it's just clear the last few days he's taken the calculation uh, that for him he may as well invade Ukraine at this point and see if he's allowed to get away with it by the international community. And so far we've heard condemnations from just about every quarter around the world, particularly uh, from uh, NATO allies. We've heard from Turkey's president this morning, although one uh, nation that doesn't seem to be condemning this attack, at least at this point, is China. And certainly China is an outlier at, at this point in time. They have refused to condemn Russia for its actions, even as the foreign ministry in China is calling for all parties to show Restraint. You can see a very careful attempt there by China, which ostensibly stays neutral in all these sorts of issues uh, to try and essentially stay out of it. But, of course, China and Russia are very close allies, not just strategically, but also economically. There are very important trade links between those countries. They tend to support each other on the global stage by staying out of each other's way most of the time. And so you can see a real effort here by Beijing 
to do so in this case. Again, they, they were officially neutral in 2014 when Russia annexed Crimea. They probably are going to take the same approach again. And now we're waiting to hear what the response could be from the U.S. and uh, NATO allies. We're expecting a meeting between President Biden and G7 leaders later this morning. What kind of response could we see from the Western alliance? So far, sanctions don't appear to have worked. Uh, what What's still on the table here, Roz? Well, certainly beyond those that combination that we're seeing coming from everywhere so far today, aside from China, really, you're going to see pressure on these countries and the European Union as a whole to come out very quickly with a much more substantial package of sanctions that has been put on the Russian administration so far just in the last few days. So you see that broaden out very much again to sort of try and cut off sources of funding for Russian companies, for the banking community, uh, and go beyond individuals in Russia to really target portions of the economy, the energy sector, the tech sector, and so on, and try and, and turn those spigots off. For Moscow, uh, how much that actually affects the Russian economy in the end is slightly debatable until we see exactly what those sanctions look like, but at least they'll be much more substantial than what we saw a few days ago. Now we're hearing from uh, NATO Secretary General Jan Stoltenberg speaking right now, calling the Russian attack on Ukraine a brutal act of war, saying NATO will activate defense plans. In our last 30 seconds here, Roz, what could that entail? Well, certainly, as I said, you're seeing NATO move further military assets, troops and equipment to its eastern flank. But NATO and the U.S. have been very... The full conversation online at Bloomberg.com as we continue monitoring developments in Ukraine. The country now says Russian forces have entered the Kiev region near the Belarus border. This attack on all sides from Russia continues. Karen. All right, Nathan, thank you. 6.30 on Wall Street. This is Bloomberg Daybreak, and I'm Karen Moscow, along with Nathan Hager. We're just about three hours away from the open of U.S. trading. Time for the five things you need to know to start your day, brought to you by Interactive Brokers. Interactive Brokers charges margin loan rates from 0.75% to 1.58%. Rates subject to change. Learn more at ibkr.com slash compare. Up first, it's the worst security crisis in Europe since World War II. Russian forces have attacked targets across Across Ukraine, President Vladimir Putin announced the move in a televised address to the nation. I decided to conduct a special military operation. Its goal is the protection of the people who, for eight years, suffered from abuse and genocide from the Kiev regime. Despite the attack, Russian President Putin insists he does not plan to occupy Ukraine. Well, in Ukraine, Karen, President Vladimir Zelensky's imposed martial law and cut off diplomatic ties with Russia. He had this message for his citizens. We don't need a cold or hot or hybrid war. But if we are attacked by troops, if they try to take away our country, our freedom of life, the lives of our children, we will defend ourselves. Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky is calling for immediate escalated sanctions on Russia and is also seeking defense and financial support for Ukraine. Well, Nathan, Western powers are condemning the military incursion and vowing to step up penalties on Russia. President Biden said the U.S. and its allies will impose, quote, severe sanctions. The president will address the American people later today. Well, the attack is upending global markets this morning. Dow futures are down more than 800 points. European averages are down about 4 percent. Russian shares slumped by the most on record. 
And we're seeing major moves in the energy markets. Oil has surged above $100 a barrel for the first time since 2014. Neil Beveridge is a senior analyst at Sanford Bernstein. Yeah, I mean, I expect prices to rally up to $110, $120 a barrel. Markets are very well supported by the low inventories that we had coming into this crisis. Already we've seen a physical deficit in the market. And checking prices now, NYMEX crude oil is up 7.6%. It's at $99.15 a barrel. Brent is up 8% at $104.55. And Haven assets are rising this morning as well, Karen. U.S. 10-year yields dropped as much as 13 basis points. Right now, they're at 1.84%. Gold has hit a more than one-year high right now at $1,972.70 an ounce. That is a gain of three and a quarter percent on the session. And that's the five things you need to know to start your day, brought to you by Interactive Brokers. Again, S&P futures are dropping this morning down 106 points. Dow futures down 832 and NASDAQ futures down 419. Straight ahead, your latest local headlines, plus a check of sports. And this is Bloomberg. Thanks, Karen. 633 on Wall Street, 30 degrees in Central Park. And a winter weather advisory now in effect for the tri-state area starting this evening. Michael Barr is here with more on what's going on in New York and around the world. Michael? Thank you very much, Nathan. It is weather whiplash. It was in the mid-60s in New York City yesterday. And by tonight, here comes the snow. Bloomberg meteorologist Rob Carolyn has the latest. Michael, the tri-state area has a messy mix of precipitation headed our way. We'll look for a few late-day snow showers, but it looks like snow develops during the evening. Along the coast, it's going to change over to sleet, then go over to freezing rain. That should limit the accumulations in the city to about 1 to 3 inches. It's the areas to the northwest and the north of the city that could see 3 to 6 inches of snow before that change over to sleet, then some freezing rain and rain. It all should wind down very early tomorrow morning, improving conditions tomorrow afternoon. Michael? Thank you, Rob. The tri-state area is under a winter weather advisory starting from 10 p.m. tonight to 1 p.m. tomorrow. It is a major twist in the probe against former President Trump's real estate company. Two prosecutors investigating Trump have resigned from the Manhattan District Attorney's Office. Legal analyst Lori Levinson says the future of the probe under D.A. Alvin Bragg is now in doubt. It may be that Bragg doesn't think this is how he wants his office to be known that this is too much of a fight, that there's not enough to get out of it, or frankly, that there isn't the evidence. Loyola Law Professor Lori Levinson, both Carrie Dunn and Mark Pomerantz started on the criminal probe under former DA Cyrus Vance and were asked to stay when Bragg took office in January. Meanwhile, a separate Trump investigation by New York State Attorney General Letitia James continues. A jury in St. Paul, Minnesota, will return for another day of deliberations today in the trial of three former officers accused of violating George Floyd's civil rights. They are charged for failing to provide medical aid to Floyd. Canada is lifting the emergency powers and enacted more than a week ago to get street protests under control. Prime Minister Justin Trudeau. We are confident that existing laws and bylaws are now sufficient to keep people safe. Prime Minister Trudeau's government invoked the Emergencies Act after hundreds of semis and other heavy vehicles blockaded downtown Ottawa for three weeks. Americans are starkly divided by race on the importance of President Joe Biden's promise to nominate a black woman to the Supreme Court. A new Associated Press NORC poll finds that white Americans 
are far less likely to be highly enthusiastic about the idea than black Americans. Global News 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take. Powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts from more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr, and this is Bloomberg. Nathan. Thank you, Michael. 6.36 on Wall Street. John Stashauer has the Bloomberg Sports Update. Thank you, Dave, for the tale of two New York City point guards. Kemba Walker out. Kyrie Irving perhaps back in full time. Knicks announced that Walker was apparently his decision, but one the Knicks had no problem with, will not play the rest of the season. He was brought in as a four-time All-Star back in his hometown, but it was clear Walker was not the same player, and Tom Thibodeau sat him on the bench for every game in a three-week span. He did return, but Kemba has only had one game in his last 12, where he has scored in double figures, and Derrick Rose now returning from injury, so his playing time was going to decrease. The Knicks, losers of 13 of their last 16, play tomorrow night in Miami. Nets host the Celtics tonight. No Kyrie. It's a home game, and he's unvaccinated, but... Word now that the city may phase out the mandate. Nets coach Steve Nash would love to have Irving road and home game. Kyrie's been great on the practice floor. Um, he's been great in film sessions. He's been creating dialogue over aspects of our play. Um, so I sense uh, you know, a, a real focus and an urgency from him. And so if that's any indication, you know, I would say he's getting excited at the prospect of being allowed to play in all our games. College Hoops, St. John's, Blue and Lee, lost at home to Creighton, 81-78, leaves the Red Storm 15-12, 7-9 in the Big East, where Seton Hall beat Butler 66-60. to Rutgers lost at Michigan, Fordham beat LaSalle to get to 500. Duke avenged an earlier loss to Virginia. We now have a date, and it is Monday. If no lockout-ending labor deal, then the baseball season will not be 162 games. John Stashauer, Bloomberg Sports. Nathan. Thank you, John. 637 on Wall Street. Time to take a look at stocks and some of the names moving in the pre-market with Bloomberg Radio and TV Markets correspondent Kriti Gupta. But, of course, on this morning, Kriti, it's a question of what isn't moving. Yeah, a uh, very, very little green on the screen. And let's just start with that because it's an easy one to get out of the way. A lot of this has to do with oil companies. We know that Brent crude has crossed $105 a barrel. WTI not far behind. It crossed $100 a barrel. This, of course, following uh, that geopolitical risk. We now know that Russia has officially invaded Ukraine. Um so this is kind of translating into the stock market here. Your top performer, your top uh, stock moving higher in the S&P 500 is going to be Marathon Oil. MRO is your ticker, up 6%. A similar story when it comes to EOG resources, up just shy of 5%. If you go further down the list, names like Devon Energy, Apache, both up 4.5%. These are all names that have one thing in common, Nathan, and that is exposure to American crude production in the absence of any Russian supply or that geopolitical risk or premium that you're seeing in Brent right now. It will immediately start to look at WTI pricing, and these are the companies that actually influence some of that supply. So naturally, they're the ones that are getting the bid more so than perhaps uh, more global peers like Exxon, uh, which I should add is actually higher by 3.2%. XOM is your ticker. Chevron, a similar story, up over 3% CVX is your ticker. But once again, it's that American exposure that's setting them apart uh, from their more diversified peers. Now, well, apart from all the geopolitics, obviously front and center for investors this morning, uh, we do have uh, some names moving on earnings, right? We do have a couple of names moving on earnings, and eBay is going to be one of them. E-B-A-Y is also the ticker as well as the company name. 
falling on uh, some disappointing results after the bell yesterday, down 11%. Now, it's hard to kind of find the earnings stories given that the market as a whole is really a dropping across the board, but eBay in particular taking an extra hit. Uh, and this comes after they warned that their first quarter sales will miss estimates as shoppers return to pre-pandemic spending habits. So once again, those online platforms that do so well during the pandemic and during a kind of lockdown, kind of losing some of their luster. And that's really what investors are responding to this morning. All right. Bloomberg Radio and TV Markets correspondent Kriti Gupta. Going to be a very busy morning, obviously, for her and uh, the rest of our team here at uh, Bloomberg News. Thanks for being with us uh, on this pre-market this morning. And as we take a look at stocks as a whole ahead of the open, it's going to be painful if you're long equities. Right now, S&P futures are down 109 points. Dow futures down 857. NASDAQ futures leading the declines this morning. They're down 430 points. That's a drop of 3.2%. The DAX in Germany down 5.2%. The CAC in Paris is lower by 5.1%. The 10-year Treasury up 1 and 8.30 seconds. The yield now 1.85%. The two-year 1.46%. NYMEX crude up 7.8% at $99.32 a barrel. Natural gas futures up 4% this morning. Stay with us. We'll get the view from Washington. Bloomberg government's Jack Fitzpatrick joins us next. This is Bloomberg. Bloomberg 1130 weather, winter weather advisory for the tri-state area from 10 tonight till 1 tomorrow afternoon. We'll be back in the sunshine by Saturday. Right now, 30 degrees in Central Park. Markets, headlines, and breaking news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Bloomberg Business App, and at Bloomberg Quick Take. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. And I'm Karen Moscow, and futures are falling this morning. Crude oil is jumping. We go to the first word, breaking news desk for today's morning call. Here's Bill Maloney. Bill, good morning. And good morning, Karen. U.S. futures are plunging as the invasion of Ukraine has begun. Dow futures currently down 737 points. S&P's dropped 90, while Nasdaq futures decline by 360. The U.S. 10-year drops to 1.87%. Gold is surging 63 Brent's oil soared above $100 a barrel, but Bitcoin is down by 6%. Hong Kong fell 3.2% overnight, while most European markets are down 4% this morning. And the Russian ETF is down 26% pre-market. Back in the U.S. on the economic front at 8.30, GDP, initial jobs claims, and Chicago Fed. At 10 o'clock, new home sales, and 11 o'clock, the Kansas City Fed. After the bell last night, eBay reported disappointing 2022 guidance. Shares are down 11% pre-market. And in other news, a chip supplier to Apple and Intel warned of tight capacity until 2027. Wrapping things up, Intel was cut to hold at DZ Bank. Holly Frontier raised overweight at Wells Fargo, and Mattel was raised to buy over at Stiefel. Live from the First of Breaking News Desk, I'm Bill Maloney. Karen? All right, Bill, thank you. And to hear live breaking news over your Bloomberg-type squawk on your terminal, S-Q-U-A-W-K. And that's a Bloomberg Business Flash. Now here's Michael Barr with more on what's going on around the world. Michael. Karen, thank you very much. It is the worst security crisis in Europe since World War II. Russian forces attack targets across Ukraine after President Vladimir Putin vowed to, as he put it, demilitarize the country and replace its leaders. The West threatened further punishing sanctions in response. 
Ukraine's interior ministry said that the capital, Kiev, was under attack and urged citizens to go to shelters. Major League Baseball said only five days remain to salvage March 31st openers and a full season, telling locked-out players that games would be canceled if a labor contract is not agreed to by the end of Monday. Global News, 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr. This is Bloomberg. Karen. All right, Michael, thank you. 649 on Wall Street. We turn to news and science and technology now with a Bloomberg NJIT STEM report brought to you by New Jersey Institute of Technology, ranked a top 50 national public university by U.S. News and World Report and a top 50 college for undergraduate entrepreneurship studies by the Princeton Review. Learn more at njit.edu. Now here's what's making news in science, technology, engineering, and math. Citigroup wants its employees to come back to the office. It's calling vaccinated staff and the U.S. to return to offices for at least two days a week, starting the week of March 21st. For months, Wall Street banks have pushed for employees to come back to workplaces that were emptied by the pandemic. Singapore will delay plans to ease limits on home gatherings and other pandemic curbs. A COVID outbreak is testing the country's move to live with the virus. Singapore had said it would substantially relax travel and social restrictions once the current wave of infections peaks. The $200 billion club has lost its last member. Elon Musk's fortune tumbled by more than $13 billion yesterday. According to the Bloomberg Billionaires Index, he's now worth a little under $199 billion. Shares of the electric vehicle company he founded, Tesla, have now fallen to their lowest level since September. And that's the Bloomberg NJIT STEM report. Nathan. Okay, Karen, thank you. We're live from the Bloomberg Interactive Brokers Studios, where it's coming up to 6.51 on Wall Street as we continue on. Monitoring events in Ukraine, we check what's going on in D.C. now, where some of the top stories include President Biden promising severe sanctions on Russia following its ongoing attack on Ukraine. The U.S. eyeing an oil reserves release as prices rise on this conflict and the U.S. presenting a Buy American plan to ease the supply chain squeeze. Let's get more on all these stories now. Bloomberg government congressional reporter Jack Fitzpatrick joins us from Washington following along as events continue to unfold in Ukraine. Jack, good morning. We know that the president is going to be uh, meeting virtually with G7 leaders later this morning. And Punchbowl News is now reporting the president will address the nation that's scheduled for noon Wall Street time. What's the latest from where you sit? Yeah, so the president is supposed to meet with the G7 leaders virtually and then has said he's going to have some sort of an announcement to make following up on uh, international sanctions. You know, the president has the legal ability to do some uh, U.S. unilateral sanctions, and, and there was the initial tranche targeting two Russian banks. But it, really everybody who's followed this story seems to be uh, sort of uh, uh, questioning whether uh, the swift sanctions Sanctions are going to come into play. That is not something uh, targeting the SWIFT financial uh, system is not something the U.S. can do alone. Uh, so we we expect to hear from the president exactly how much he is going to do uh, with what the U.S. can do and how much of, of an international effort involving European allies will will come about. It's also worth keeping in mind Congress could push the president a little more on this if they think he's going too slow. Uh, we saw a statement just last. 
last night from Chris Coons, who really is an ally of the president, saying Congress should act. Uh, the, the, the debate in Congress over this kind of thing has uh, lately been whether to push the president to do more and actually require sanctions that, that may not have been put into play. So we'll see exactly how uh, aggressive President Biden wants to be. Uh, and, and at this point, there seems to be a lot of uh, bipartisan support for what he has essentially laid out. Uh, but we'll, we'll see how much debate follows that up uh, in, in terms of whether there are lawmakers who want to push him to do more. Yeah, I guess the ongoing question, Jack, is how much sanction could deter Putin from his path? At this point, it doesn't look as though sanctions have worked. And now we're hearing from uh, sources inside the White House that there was a lot of trepidation for this strategy, even from the get-go. A lot of people close to the president thinking that sanctions weren't going to work anyway. Yeah, you you really have to define what does it mean for sanctions to work. Uh, even in public addresses, President Biden has has said before that he expected uh, that that Vladimir Putin would likely go through with this, that there could very well be an invasion, uh, that these sanctions uh, are, are more or less a, a carrot and stick approach and that there should be a cost to an actual invasion of Ukraine. Uh, but really, hearing what the president has said about this uh, in particular, this has never been cast as a, a, an idea it, by, in which sanctions would prevent this kind of uh, action from Russia, but rather something that would impose a cost to it. There doesn't seem to be uh, an assumption that Putin is an entirely rational player here. So there's a, an insistence from the U.S. and Europe that there should be a cost to this kind of thing. Uh, but short of any kind of military action, there's not a lot of confidence that the U.S. can take an action to outright stop this from happening. Yeah, and I guess there's a question as well of how much cost will be paid by the American people because we could potentially see spillover effects if uh, sanctions go against Russia and affect the global economy. Yeah, I mean, President Biden has warned that it's this kind of sanctions that they're talking about, such severe sanctions, uh, don't just hurt Russia. Uh, you are seeing that with the expectations of very significantly uh, rising oil prices, for one. Uh, but limiting financial tra transactions uh, is not necessarily a pleasant thing to do, uh, especially for European countries that have uh, a greater relationship uh, with Russians. Uh, but, yeah, I, I mean, the, the warning has been put out there uh, pretty clearly for uh, weeks, if not months, uh, from the president himself that this is not an ideal scenario and, and that part of the, the efforts here have been getting European allies on board to accept that this is not going to be a good thing for anyone's economy. So only about a minute left here, Jack. What are the options for the president to try to ease the potential economic pain for Americans? We know that there's been some talk of tapping into the strategic oil reserve. Is there more that the White House can do? There's not a ton they can do. There has been talk about tapping the strategic strategic petroleum reserve. I, I would point out that the in the recent past they have uh, gone forward with a, an SPR release that was about 50 million barrels, and the White House credited 
contrasted that with uh, the uh, sort of slight drop in, in gas prices, about 10 cents a gallon. It's not the kind of thing that can reverse these effects. If there were something that the president could do to flip a switch and, and really reduce the price of gasoline, he probably already would have done it. Uh, that is an example of the kind of thing that he can do to, to take action on this and try to mitigate the cost to the American people. Uh, but really, as I mentioned, he, he has warned that these kinds of sanctions are not ideal. They're, they're, right. uh, they're not great for anybody. Jack Fitzpatrick, Bloomberg Government Congressional Reporter. Thank you, as always. Karen. All right, Nathan, it is 6.56 on Wall Street. This is Bloomberg Daybreak, and February is Black History Month. And every day this month, we are celebrating significant moments in U.S. black history. Now with your installment for February 24th, here is Bloomberg's Renita Young. On this day in black history in 1864, Rebecca Lee Crumpler becomes the first black woman to receive an M.D. degree. To put that into perspective, in 1860, there were only 300 women out of 54,543 physicians in the United States. None of them were African-American. Crumpler first worked as a nurse in Charlestown, Massachusetts, before she was accepted into the New England Female Medical College. It was during a time when male physicians claimed women did not have the physical strength to practice medicine. In 1883, Crumpler released Book of Medical Discourses, which was one of the first medical books written by an African-American. That's Today in Black History. I'm Renita Young, Bloomberg Radio. All right, Renita, thank you. Again, futures are dropping this morning with S&P futures down 93 points or 2.2%. And we'll have more on the market straight ahead on Bloomberg Surveillance. And for Nathan Hager, I'm Karen Moscow, and this is Bloomberg. The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Carter Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at QatarEconomicForum.com.